Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Hey, it's me, I'm Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh yeah! Oh God, do I ever love when you crack the beer. I know, I can tell. It's my favorite. (laughs) You know why it's my favorite? Why? Because I'm a man without conviction. I'm I'm a a man man who doesn't know. Every day I sell conviction. You come and go. Come on, Ian. You You come come and go. All right, enough of that. And uh, hey, man, Uh, this week it's very special. Let's talk about what we're about to do. We're gonna we're gonna interview Robert Fleischman. Actually, we already did, and it's all edited and ready to go. And we're adding news to it. And you know, I got. I gotta say, man, Robert Fleischman is like a really cool dude. Don't you agree? Oh, man, he was fucking cool as a cucumber, man. He was great, man. Wait till you hear the Vinny driving a car story. That's my favorite part. <laughs> Sounds just like Justin Yeah, it's it's very funny. And uh, it's a great interview. But before we get into the interview, there's a few things we want to discuss. And I want to discuss something before we go into the news. Because next week, you're going to be, uh, I'm going to be on the road. But me and Ian already recorded two episodes because I'm going to be gone for two weeks. And uh, I just want to say that I really hope I see some of you out there if I'm playing around your area. Uh, What sucks is that I believe we're going to have more dates, but we're not going to have any more shows. So I can't plug the thing. Me and Ian already recorded two episodes because I'm going to be gone for two weeks. And... uh, I just want to say that I really hope I see some of you out there if I'm playing around your area. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, what sucks is I, I believe we're going to have more dates, but we're not going to have any more shows, so I can't plug the dates. So if you know, if you go on the Thrasher Die Facebook page, uh, you know, please check it out next week before we leave because I leave yeah, on the post it on the post it on our Facebook page too. I'll put it. I'll put them anywhere, everywhere, you know, and. Uh, But, you know, I just want to say for now, these are the dates we have uh, confirmed. Uh, August 8th, we're playing Atlanta, Georgia at Club 529. Uh, August 9th, we're going to Delaware at J.B. McGinnis. And that's brutal. From Atlanta to Delaware in one day, that's like 10 hours. So that'll be fun. Um, And then on August 13th, we're playing Washington, D.C. at The Pinch. Then on the 14th, we're playing Long Island at Dusk Dusk Providence. Uh, So those are what we have so far. We, we, I think we're playing Chesapeake, but I don't have the date yet. And possibly New Jersey. But uh, if we are playing those dates, please check out uh, the Thrasher Die page. It will be between August 10th. It'll be either August 10th, August 11th, or August 12th. One of those three days. We will be playing either New Jersey, Chesapeake, or both. So please uh, keep update because I really want to meet you guys, man. 
So yeah, that's it. Uh, Thrasher Die is going on tour. So in the next two weeks, I will not be around. But don't you worry. We're going to have new episodes. Ain't that awesome? Are we? Are Is every podcast like us, like every freaking week they got a new one? Uh, no. But there are but the, there are podcasts that have something every week. Do, yes, there? yes. There are ones that do every week. But I'll tell you what. I've been listening to more and more podcasts. And, and there's some I enjoy. But I got to say, man, I know this sounds egotistical. There is no podcast that sounds like us. There's so many that I listen to, and I'm not going to name names, but it's so monotone. It sounds like you're at a class, and someone is talking to you, and then this song. You know, it's like, we're fucking real. Yeah. I have yet, I've yet to hear a podcast where it's two people talking. I have yet, I've yet to hear a podcast where it's two people talking as real as you and me. Ian, get off your high horse. Seriously, I'm the only one that sounds cool when I'm bragging. Oh, okay, Thrasher Die is going on tour, man. Anyway, uh, no, no, I know what you're saying, but uh, but there's people that like that monotone stuff. People that talk like this. Hey, man. They listen to those uh, podcasts and they're like, these guys are just like me. So, you know, I mean, there's something for everybody out there. You know, and people, and people are like, and people that listen to us, they're like that, they'll be like, these guys use way too many bad words. <laughs> I don't, I don't like these guys, and and Ian like drinks liquor, you know. So you know, and, and, and Ralph Vieira is just too cool, and and he makes me feel bad because I get no vagina. So yeah, I mean, we don't we don't appeal to everybody. We don't appeal to those people that like those podcasts where it's like, welcome, we're back this week because we have no lives. Which I want to say that uh, it is very difficult for me to do this podcast, but I manage to do it every week. For everybody out there, okay? I have two bands, I have a job, I have, uh, you know, I have like, you know, hookers and, 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 and crack cocaine and stuff like that. But still, I manage to do this show every week. You see the difference between me and you, Ian? When I brag, it sounds cool. When you, it's like you're on a high horse and get down. All right, so anyway, uh, so yeah, Thrasher Die's going on tour. And, uh, and even when I'm away, I, I, me and Ian get together and we do a couple episodes. So the next couple episodes, you're not going to have what we have this week. But don't worry, in three weeks we'll be back with the news. We got some news for you all. So uh, some news, what's up this week in the news, Ian? Uh, well, before that, I'd like to get back on my high okay. horse. Uh, because I did an interview with uh, with Andrew Jacobs. Podcast. Yeah, I read that. I read it. I never, I never got the questions. I love no. It was, uh, it was very fun to do, and you know, check it out. It, it's a whole website. He's got dedicated to podcast, and it was a fun interview to do. And uh, I love my my that's, favorite part of the interview when you said, "Oh, my co-host doesn't do much. I, like I do everything. He doesn't do shit." Rewind. <laughs> no, the joke was. He says, "What preparation do you do?" And I said, "Unlike my co-host, I do a lot of preparation." Because you always brag. You're like. I don't have to do nothing. Shit's in my DNA. And, and I give you credit for that. Me, I got to do a little bit more work because I'm not... Well, I wish you would have mentioned that. Like, I got to prepare because I'm not as knowledgeable as my co-host. It's like, no, my co-host doesn't, doesn't prepare. I don't have to prepare. You didn't bring that part out. You make it sound like I don't do shit. I'm very offended. You have to listen to albums three, four times in a row. I, I don't have to listen to it. I know it enough. I, I don't spend my time listening to the Black Crows. I stick to the good shit. 
let's get into some goddamn news. Before, before we get into the news, I just got confirmation right now. We are playing Chesapeake on the 12th. So anybody from the Chesapeake area or Chesapeake or near there, please come out. We're playing August 12th in Chesapeake. Where the fuck is Chesapeake? Where is it at? What state? Virginia. So yeah, the 12th. Please come on out. All right. So what's up with the news? All right. Well, here's somebody that's always in the news and always sticking his foot in his mouth. Have you followed all this shit with Carrie King and the Mayhem Festival this year? Well, yes. He. Uh, well, let me t let's see if I'm right. I think... He's been complaining about the tour and the guy that runs it, and he, sing, and he thinks the tour, the band suck, right? Is that what it is? Well, yeah. I mean, basically, uh, how it started, the co-founder of the tour came out first. He, he, he pulled first blood and said that, oh, you know, mainstream audiences turned their back on metal because metal bands got fat and bald and girls didn't give a shit, and that's why metal went away. Kerry King, you know, was pissed about that, and he's like, oh, fuck this guy, he's a douchebag. <laughs> and then ticket sales have been kind of low this year, and Slayer's done the Mayhem Festival, I think, like, three or four fucking times, but tickets this summer have been very soft, and carrie has been uh, attributing a lot of this to the lineup, which I would go just to see Slayer and King Diamond. Uh, if there is a band that over tours, it's Slayer. And I love Slayer. I just saw him a while ago. Incredible show. But Slayer tours all the fucking time. I mean, all the fucking time. And I don't know if, if that's an issue or just people are fucking broke or what. But I, I mean, to me, Slayer and King Diamond. Man, if that shit came to New Orleans, I'd fucking be there. You know, but it came nowhere near me. But uh, he's bitching left and right, and a lot of the bands on the second stage are getting pissed off. Like, you know, fuck you, Carrie King. You don't come out of your fucking trailer unless somebody gives you 20 bucks to sign a picture. And why are you slamming other metal bands, and why are you slamming this tour while we're in the middle of the tour? You know, they said it's detrimental to sales, the way he's running his mouth. And I, I see both sides. I do see it as kind of a weak lineup, especially compared to traveling festivals you see in Europe. But uh, I also think, like, hey, man, you should shut your mouth and, you know, try to entice people to go, not push them away. What do you think? Well, uh, I think, you remember when we did that Slayer episode of South of Heaven? Yes, sir. Uh, we did it a while back. I remember that week, I, I didn't prepare. <laughs> That's all I got to say about this story. What else we got? Okay. Oh, wait, before you go into it, let me, let me ask you if you read into this, because I only saw the headline. I didn't read it. Did you read that thing today? Um, Tom Tomariah Tom said uh, that he's really tired of being in Slayer and that he sold his soul or something like that. Did you see that? I, I didn't see it listed as that. I uh, I did see a, a headline where he, he said he was very uh, nervous about going into writing sessions for the new album. Like He's like, oh, fuck, I don't know how this shit's going to work. You know, without Jeff being there and all that shit. And, uh, I kind of got a feeling he might be mailing it in. I, I mean, hey, man, they were great live. And Gary Holt was incredible. And Paul Bostoff's an incredible drummer. But I got a feeling that at this point, uh, you know, it, it's kind of mailing it in. All right, what else we got in the news? All right, well, Chris Broderick has been talking about the Megadeth split. Talk about another big four band. 
and uh, basically said he had to weigh the pros and cons, and that's why he left, and was basically bitching about having absolutely no input in Megadeth, and uh, and was even told how to dress by Dave Mustaine, uh, and he really bowed out. A lot of this, I think, has to do with management and money, you know, stuff you found out on the motorboat that broke here first before anybody knew anything else, you had the inside scoop. But uh, basically said he couldn't get excited about doing an album where he was just told what to play. And uh, Sean Drover, on the other hand, uh, refuses to, you know, get into any kind of war words, says, hey man, there's no dirt here, I just wanted to leave. You know, nothing bad. But uh, I think Chris brings up a good point. I, I think at this point, Dave Mustaine really isn't going to let anybody have any creative input. And if you're an artist, if you want to do something, uh, it's got to be a hard situation because, you know, A, it's a hell of a shot to be in, you know, in, in a big name band. But B, I mean, if you really care about music and what you do, but you're fucking neutered, um, that's got to suck. What you think, Ralph? Well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I've been aware of Chris Broderick before Megadeth because that's because, you know, I'm like a, you know, I, I, I like bands like Jack Panzer and, and I know he was in Nevermore and I love, like, some Nevermore. And uh, so I'm aware of him, but, you know, the masses were not, really. And now more of the masses are aware of him because of Megadeth. Megadeth is, uh, you join Megadeth, you, you, you know, people even remember Jeff Young. You know? Right. Um... <laughs> Uh, and and the whole thing where Dave Mustaine tells this guy how to dress, I think it was on the Megadeth behind the music. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. But Al Petrelli said that when he joined Megadeth, Dave Mustaine told him, "Hey, shave that beard off." So I kind of believe him there. I gotta say that I met I met Broderick like three times on the ship, and this is a guy that actually says hi to you before you say hi to him. I shit you not. This guy is like such a cool dude. Like, he's walking on a ship, and I'm kicking back, and I look up, and I see him, and he looks down, because I'm sitting on a, on a, one of those beach chairs. He looks down, he's like, how you doing, bro? And he kept walking. I was like, wow, that was Chris Broderick. So then I saw him later, and I got a picture with him, and he was just, man, a really cool fucking guy. And an amazing guitar player. And, hey, man, I know I'm not going to be popular for saying this, but I like him more than Friedman. Uh, no, no, Endgame I don't think was better than Rust in Peace, but it was better than every other Friedman album, if you ask me. And I think, as a guitar player, I've been really into Broderick for a while. I don't know if you can get this or not. Maybe you can, using the Amazon link. There's a Jag Panzer DVD out there, where it has Chris Broderick doing a solo on acoustic. Holy moly, the guy is awesome. You know what the guy is? He's a man! Without conviction, he's a man that shreds guitars. All right, so what else is in the news? Uh, uh, one, one thing I will, will say, though, I actually do prefer him to Marty Freeman, too. Oh, there you go, man. What, what the fuck? Is, we're all coming in. We're, we're agreeing with each other. I know. All right, here's something that caught me totally off guard. Uh, the new Chev Tate song wasn't that... Uh, but I gotta say, last week I heard the new Queensryche, and that was like, wow, man, I can't wait to hear that new Queensryche, because that reminded me of some classic heavy metal. Oh, man. It, remi it reminds me of, like, 
like like the EP meets the warning type shit. It's like wow. very metal. It's very metal, but it has its little. Uh, I, I can't find the word, but the little like, little vibes and you know uh, of of the warning here and there, vocal wise. It's just inc an incredible song. So then last night I see this. Jeff Tate releases his new video. I'm like, ah, let me watch this garbage. And I was like, damn, this is pretty damn good. I mean, it wasn't as good as the Queens, right? But it was good. It was it's, uh, it was pretty damn good. So, hey, man, this whole split might be a good thing. We might be getting two great albums. Yeah, I, I hope so. It definitely sounded better than uh, his last solo album or, or, Which, the, or the one he, he called Queensryche, uh, Frequency Unknown. Uh, here's something that's making me rethink my stance on drugs. Uh, Dave Drainman, the lead uh, singer, if you want to call him that, uh, guy from Disturbed, said that 95% of his songs were written while he was high. And, uh, man, that makes me never want to do drugs again. Well, I mean, there, there we do have Disturbed fans, so, you know, you shouldn't be bashing this really piece of shit band because it might it might uh offend the, the the people that that do actually enjoy that garbage oh my god i saw these fucking assholes open up for dancing yes yes wait wait uh, yeah yeah hold on i, I gotta cut you off because you know it's, uh, you do it enough to me they open for danzig i don't know when you saw them but i saw them open for danzig where it was like five bands like six feet blunder was on there yeah, and, and, and Disturbed open, and they were like nobody. And I remember, I don't know if it was the singer or somebody in Disturbed came up to me and gave me a cassette of Disturbed. Now, I didn't see him. I was outside getting drunk, and I came in, and he was going around passing out tapes. And, and, and I got to talking to him for a little bit. Well, he actually, he was a really nice guy. He might have been the singer. I don't, I, don't, I don't even remember what this guy looked like. But I remember he said, yeah, we opened, and he gave me a cassette. And I still have it. It's disturbed. And I was like, oh, cool, man. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, you know, hey, did you see our set? No, I'm sorry. I was outside. Oh, but check out the tape. He was really nice about it. But, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, they they, were, they opened for Danzig, and it was like, like what, what was it, six feet under? And there was a couple other bands, and they opened. They were at the bottom of the bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least in Fort Lauderdale, it was that Yeah, one. well, I, I saw it in Orlando at the House of Blues. And uh, they opened up, and they did this shtick. They only did it on the first tour. Where it would open up and, you know, Dave Drainman's in an electric chair. And he's like in an orange prison suit. And I knew it was horrible then. But what's funny is, like, fast forward a couple of years and they're fucking huge. And I remember waiting in line to uh, meet Zach Wilde at an Ozfest in, in, uh, in Fort Lauderdale. Coral Sky. And, uh... And he's driving around in a golf court with these fucking, you know, a bunch of whores. And just couldn't stop to talk to nobody. He was just so high on himself. I'm like, fuck you. You fucking suck. I saw you at the House of Blues. You were shit then. You were shit now. But, uh, you know, normally I like when bands are on drugs and write music. But, uh, yeah, not, not enough about them. But uh, I'm just saying, if, if, if marijuana makes you go, wow. Uh, maybe it's time. Hey, 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 remember, there's this thing called the White Album. Thank you. Uh, Don't blame it all on pot. Uh, oh, I got to mention in passing, 
Uh, Big Firth passed away at the age of 85. Uh, you know, a lot of drummers use his drumsticks. Yeah. And uh, and he was uh, an amazing drummer, and uh, a lot of a lot of people use him and endorse him. And uh, man, man, that's like another that's like a Gene Cooper passing away. So I want to pay my respects to Big Firth. And I also want to pay my respect to uh, Bob Daisley for for showing him how to make drumstick. There you go. That's a true story. That didn't yes. happen. Uh, Gene Hoagland's been talking about the new Dark Angel. Yeah, I hope I hope what he's saying is true. Yeah, they are they are in the middle of writing it, and uh, he says, "Man, this will not disappoint fans. Uh, this will be their first album since 1991." But yeah, I'm I'm hoping for the best, man. Uh, I, man, Gene Hoagland. I have a feeling I have a feeling it might be better than Time Heals, but I don't think it's going to be better than uh, Lee Scars, and definitely. I highly doubt it. It'll ever top Darkness Ascend. And 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 I'm sure it's going to be a lot better than the last album by the next band I want to talk about. And that's Guns N' Roses. What's up? Oh, I heard that idiot left. Yeah. Good. DJ Ashcroft has left Guns N' Roses. I don't Roses. like that guy. Yeah, well, he, he speaks fond of you, but I, I can see why you bash him. He kind of looks like there's something poserish about this guy. But he has left Guns N' Roses. Ron Bumblefoot Thraw still will not officially announce that he's out. I hope they bring Buckethead back. Oh, shit, I love I, I hope they bring, well, actually, I, I hope they don't bring Rob, Robin Finnick back, because I really like Robin Finnick. But uh, I hope he stays out of the band, because he's a good guitar player. But, uh, man, you see a couple of guitar players leaving. Man, I, you know, could this be the beginning of, you know, the reunion? I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, I feel like, unlike how everybody feels, I feel like it's possible. Uh, everybody thinks that Axel is like, would never let it happen. I think he would. I really do. But, you know, then again, I could be wrong. I have, you know what, it's that I don't, I don't hate Axel like everybody does. I feel like Axel, if I ever was to meet him, he'd be a nice guy. Because uh, I actually know a couple people that have met him. Well, actually, that's a lie. I've only known one person that met him. And then, check it out. And I even saw the picture. This guy stalked Axel and got him, like, out of his hotel room. And Axel came out of the hotel room and took a picture with the guy. And I don't know, man. That doesn't sound like the Axel we all know. And he said he was a nice guy. And, I, and then there's also a video of Axel on YouTube talking to some fans about, you know, some old story about Slash, and he really does come come across as a, a nice dude, you know? I don't know. I think I think he gets a really bad rap. I don't know. I, 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 I'm a defender of X. I, I met him one time. Yeah, what what, what, what advice did he ask for? Well, well no, I, just, I asked, I said, hey, I have a podcast, Rock and Roll Combat Podcast. Can you do an intro? He says, no, I only listen to the Mark and Terrence experience. You see, you, you, because you didn't mention my name, moron. Oh, that's what it was. I forgot to mention mm. the one guy that likes Chinese democracy. All right, well enough. <laughs> uh, let's talk to a true... Uh... No, no, wait, 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 wait. Is that it? No, no, I, I got news. I got the most important news out of all that crap, and you didn't even mention it. Yeah, the, the, this is like just as... To me, even more important than a Guns N' Roses reunion. And this is a reunion I never thought would happen because there was a lot of bad-mouthing. 
well, really a lot of bad-mouthing from just the singer of this band with uh, two members, two other members of the band. You don't know what band I'm talking about? They're, they're about to play one show in New York to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the release of the monumental, amazing, and aged so nice album, Speak English or Die. What? SOD is getting back together for a reunion show. As far as I know, it's only one show. It's a 30th anniversary show. That to me, you didn't hear this, huh? It's online, man. Go look. Go on Google. Let me, let me, let me get uh, the, the the scoop because I can tell the, the listeners out there where exactly they're playing. I am not sure. I know it's in New York. That's all I know. Uh, uh, here it says Billy Milano, frontman of Stormtroopers of Death, announced just moments ago that the band uh, will be joining forces to perform a 30th anniversary concert at next year's Black and Blue Bowl in New York City. The announcement was made during tonight's BNB Takeover radio show at East Village Radio. A new song was also played on the radio showing show meaning the new music is also on the way. Wow, I didn't know that part. So they're actually making new music as well. Uh, oh, so if that's the case, then you know they're going to tour. I did see SOD twice. I went to, um, well, both time, well, the first time I saw him was in 2000 or 99, I believe. It was in Orlando, Florida. It was one of the most insanely, ki- I have to put that in my top five greatest shows I ever saw in my life. Then I saw him again at the Thrash of the Titans in uh, San Francisco, that amazing show. SOD was on that bill as well. And you want to talk about. In my opinion, the heaviest riff known to man is March of the S.O.D., man. That riff, that tone. I'm sorry, but S.O.D. to me destroys Anthrax. And But, you know, at the same time, S.O.D., man, was recorded during the spreading the disease era where Anthrax was on fire. And I love, I love that Anthrax. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're doing a... They're doing a show, and uh, and they're doing new music. So hopefully that would mean a new tour is on the way. So yeah, let's keep our fingers crossed for that. I wondered when the fuck that would be because the new uh, Anthrax is supposed to come out late this year or early next year. Well, I mean, as far as now, it's only one gig in New York, so they'll they'll you know I'm sure Anthrax is going to do a lot of touring, but they're gonna you know they're gonna set aside that date. Um, for the Black and Blue Tour. Uh, bowl. The Black and Blue Bowl. I don't even know about this. I guess it's some kind of annual uh, thing they have in New York. But, uh, yeah, let's see. Let's see uh, Let's see w- what transpires after this. I would love for it to tour again because I would love to see SOD because SOD Live is something everybody... And let me tell you something. Anybody that wants to see how amazing they are, I mean, go on. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Look at that that Ritz show, uh, the first re- that where where Billy Milano jumps off like a like a fucking thirty foot amp amp on onto the crowd, and he's a big boy, and then he proceeds to bash a microphone over some guy in the crowd. Uh, that, that's some funny stuff. But check it out, man. Sod is is reuniting something I thought would never happen. Because he really had a lot of bad things to say about 
Scott and Charlie back in uh, when uh, SOD disbanded the last time. So yeah, so that's a. Yeah, man, it's, it's gonna happen. 30th anniversary concert, which is weird, because isn't it this year? It's 30th anniversary. I, I believe that album came out in '85. I believe so too. Yeah, so I, well, I guess 31st anniversary, whatever. But anyway, yeah, SOD. Fuck yeah. All right, so uh, you want to go into our interview now? Let's do it. All right, this is our interview with Robert Fleischman. All right. All right, so now uh, we have with us, and we're very honored to have with us, Mr. Robert Fleischman, which a lot of people know from uh, our show from uh, Vinnie Vincent, and he has a huge history, and we're going to talk about it. Welcome, Robert. How are you doing, Robert? Fine, thank you very much, Ralph and uh, Ian. Yeah, a funny story how uh, how Robert um, is on the show, and I and I I would like you to explain Robert how you and I uh, met, uh, sort of say. Well, I saw that you did a inter uh, a, a critique on the Vinnie Vincent um, Invasion album, and I had actually seen it um, a few months ago, actually, okay. but then I saw it again. And I, I thought you were pretty spot on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Because <laughs> I wasn't really that nice to, to you or the, the, no, or the you album. Were, no, no, I thought you were actually kind of funny. I mean, I would say the same thing, probably. Um, but, you know, <laughs> doing that album was a situation where I was sort of like a hired gun. Uh-huh. Uh, because when, it, when we first started the band, when we first started to get together, Vinny and I, it was going to be a band, but then um, Vinny sort of, um, you know, shot himself in the foot once again and sort of aced me out and and made a deal with uh, Chrysalis and so and uh, and took everything for himself basically, and um, and so then I said, you know, I want nothing to do with you, and then I constantly got bombarded with phone calls all day and night from either uh, um, Dana Strum and um, and Vinny. And so um, I just said, well, I'll do it for a shitload of money. So <laughs> I, um, so then I did it. Oh. And it was, a, it was a situation where I don't really, I mean, I don't really sing that way all the time, but I can do it, and, I, and it was a situation where it was like I had never done anything like that. In and, and me, I'm sort of look at my my writing and, and what I do like an artist. You know, it's like one day I'm doing still lifes, and the next day I'm doing portraits, and I'm doing uh, landscapes, or I'm doing something abstract. And it was kind of one of those situations where. I got to just get a big bucket of paint and throw it on the canvas, and that's what basically that was. That whole whole album was that uh, was that for me, you know. Yeah, well, I got I got to tell you, I mean, I was quite surprised when uh, I first saw a friend request from you. I was like, uh oh, and I thought I thought, oh, am I in, am I in trouble here? So I added you, and I was like, uh, wow, you know, because I looked, I go, is this. The real Robert Fleischman or somebody, you know, you know how Facebook is. People make up uh, yeah. 
uh, with the artist. But yeah, I looked through your stuff and I said, oh man, it is him, you know. And then soon after you sent me a message, I was quite relieved when you actually told me that you enjoyed the review and uh, it, it really... Yeah, I mean, it was just the most bombastic album ever out there. I mean, to the, to this day, you know. Yeah. And um, and it's and the whole thing on is on eleven. Yeah. And, and 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 it's just you know it's just screaming cat music, you know, and twirling. <laughs> So, you know, it, it is what it is, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like, hey, I can say I did something like that, and, and I, you know, a lot of people dig it, oh, and, yeah. you know, a lot of people hate it, it's, it's, it's one of those things, you either love it or hate it, but, but I do video. like Substitute, you gotta admit, Substitute's a good song. Uh, is that the third track? That's the yeah, one? Yeah, that's the third track. Yeah, I, I really did, yeah. I actually said that in the review, that I really did like the song structure of that song. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, because there at least I'm singing in, uh, you know, in, in some sort of human fashion. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to say I thought it was funny, uh, Ralph. You called me when uh, when Robert sent you the friend request, and I was like, "Oh shit, you're in trouble now." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's so awesome to have you on the show, and, and glad that you know you have a sense of humor about this, and uh, I, I think this is going to be a really great interview. But, uh, I mean, you, you've done so much more than, than just the Vinnie Vincent album. Uh, I mean, really, like, your career, you know, where most people would know you is, is from Journey. And uh, I was just wondering if you could tell us, like, how that came about. Oh, the Journey situation. Oh, boy. Um, okay, it starts out like this. I was moving out of a, uh, an apartment, and I realized that uh, I still had the key in my pocket. And so I get, I, I get out of the car and, and there's, when I get out of the car, right at my foot is a playing, like a, a like playing card. Um, it was, a, it was the uh, Queen of Diamonds, okay? And on the back of it, it said um, Continental Airlines. You know, when you go onto an airline, they give you playing cards, you know? Right. And so um, I used to know that I used to find these cards all the time, and I had this and this girl that I knew used to read them like a fortune, you know. Like I call her up, I say, "Oh, I just found a nine of clubs," and she go, "Oh, this is what you know." So the fortune teller kind of thing. So anyway, I used to pick them up all the time. Anyway, I get out of the car, I find the, the I find the card, I put it in my back pocket, I walk up and knock on the door to get the key to um, the landlady, and my phone rings. So I run upstairs, I open up the door, and I get on the phone, and it was a booking agent from um, uh, Chicago. And he asked me if I'd be interested in coming to Chicago and, um, and check out these bands that he had. And he knew me through somebody else uh, who was associated with The Doors at that time. And um, he had heard a tape of mine that the guy from The Doors had. And anyway, so he decided to give me a call, and uh, he goes, I said yes, and then he said, okay, great, we'll uh, book you a flight on Continental Airlines. So <laughs> that was kind of strange. So then I go to Chicago, and um, the next thing I know, I'm um, playing in this band, and, and then a couple of months later, I get a call from a guy named Barry Fay. You guys there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
so I get a call from this guy, Barry, manager, Barry Faye, who's one of the biggest promoters in the United States. Him and Bill Graham used to cut the United States up like a pie, and they would put all the all the uh, promote all these bands, you know, all all these concerts like the Who and the Stones and, and everybody. So he called me up and he said, um, Barry said, would you like to come to to um, um, Colorado, where he was based out of, uh, and um, you know, have a meeting with me and stuff like that. So I have a meeting with him. I fly to Chicago, to um, Colorado, uh, and uh, I get along with him. And he asked me if I would like to do a showcase for CBS Records. So I, um, so I said yeah. And he goes, okay, well, get something together in two weeks. So I put a band together within two weeks. I wrote seven songs in two weeks. And um, then uh, I had this showcase for CBS, and they all came. And then uh, a couple of days later, I was asked to come to uh, Los Angeles and have a meeting with all the head people from CBS Records. And um, they said they had this band called Journey, and um, they were looking to put uh, a lead singer in front of them, um, to, you know, they were so, sort of working that formula, the foreigner for, formula, and, and the Boston and all that stuff that was happening back then. And so um, I said, okay. So I, um, and I knew that Journey was a, a, a progressive rock band where they played, you know, 15 minute songs. And um, so I, I flew up to um, San Francisco. And I went to SIR Studios, and um, we talked for a while, and then we got up on stage, and then we started just kind of improvising, and um, just, you know, the rest is kind of what, ha what happened. Well, it's, it's amazing that, uh, I mean, that you were in this band, and it's, they went through this, like, big transition, you know, from what they were on the first three records to what they were going to become. And you're saying that yeah, that, that, it, was, that was a conscious decision that they wanted to go like more of a commercial route and change the whole. Well, I don't of know what I don't know what the decision was except that um, the record company was going to drop them unless they, um, you know, kind of took this hint. Wow. So um, I, I, it was kind of it was difficult for them. Um, in the sense they were just so used to being so free-formed and now, you know, I came in and I kind of rearranged the furniture, you know, and no longer is, is Ainsley Dunbar one of the greatest, you know, drummers. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You, know, you know, it's like all of a sudden, okay, Ainsley, you got to play 4-4 now, you know, and it's like, it's, it was really hard for them, you know, and then, and then I come from a real pop rock uh, structure and so, um, you know, I just kind of Got got him into uh, uh, that formula, that that format of writing. Well, I mean, and you you co-wrote, uh, you know, some amazing, you know, some some of their all-time classic songs. I mean, uh, Wheels in the Sky, Winds of March, Anytime. Uh, how were those writing sessions? Did it come very natural, or was it like a struggle? No, it was very natural. I mean. Um, uh, the wheel in the sky was a situation where um, everyone was everyone was coming to me with lyrics and, and wanting me to write a song with their lyrics, and um, I couldn't find anything that I really dug and really could like, dig into, and, and just didn't 
I didn't like them, okay? I didn't care for for the lyrics or the poems or whatever. And I felt really bad that I had had, had been um, kind of rejecting them and then asking me, oh, have you done anything with that yet? And I go, no, no, I haven't done anything with it yet. Or da, da, da. And so uh, finally, um, Ross Valerie's wife wrote this poem called um, uh, Wheels... Wheels are something, and, and um, so I just—I I didn't like the the poem, but I took the one—I took the one line out of it and kind of twisted it up a bit, and, and came up with the line of a uh, wheel in the sky. And um, so uh, I wrote it basically with uh, Neil, and I just—I nicked her her line just to appease and show that everybody that I could, you know, just to make everybody happy. You, you know what? Understand what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I wrote that with Neil uh, on acoustic guitar and, um, and I wish um, I'd left the band and unfortunately I didn't get to show and finish the song. I, I, I thought the, the song should have had a bridge in it. And uh, I wrote a bridge for it, but um, they already had gone in and recorded it before um, that happened. So, so what what actually happened? Because there is actual footage of you playing a show with them. There, were there more than one show that you did with Journey? Oh yeah, I mean, um, I did lots of shows with Journey. Uh, we opened up for Emerson, Lake, and Palmer uh, in part of the United States and uh, Canada. Um, we. We uh, did Soldier Field in Chicago, which nice. was like a, over, you know, 80,000 or 90,000 people there. Um, the whole, the whole, all the seating was packed and the whole field was packed. And that was an incredible show. It was um, Ted Nugent, uh, Leonard Skinner, um, Cheap Trick. Uh, uh, 48 special or something that's uh, the other one uh, Leonard Skinner 48 brother. special was that before 38 special <laughs> Five, maybe <laughs> yeah that was after <laughs> yeah I guess they're 38 special so um, so anyway uh, and then we we played and so it was a great great show and um, yeah I did lots lots of shows I, I was I toured with them for maybe about three months so that, that and we that, did that. So I think this footage that you saw is from Hawaii. We did the uh, Crater Festival. Yeah, it was an outdoor show. That's what yeah, I saw. Yeah, that's the outdoor show. Yeah, and there's some other footage that I mean I know people did take uh, video, and we did have people come and uh, shoot us while when we did, went to different towns. But I never, I I never seen the footage or anything like that, and I hardly ever see any footage of or photos of myself. Because back then, you know, people didn't have cell phones and all that stuff, you know, right. like they do now. So, now, what, ahead, what, what, what happened? What, what happened that, uh, that you ended up uh, not being on Infinity? Well, what happened was um, I, had a, I had a manager, um, Barry Fay, the guy from uh, Colorado, and he, uh, he had 25% of me. And, um, and, and Herbie Herbert, their manager, wanted 25% of me. And, um, and he and Herbie wanted me to get rid of Barry. And I couldn't do that because Barry was like a dad to me. I, I was very close with him. And um, 
so I kept sort of procrastinating and and uh, finally um, Herbie just got pissed off and at the same time there was a guy named Michael Bilbeck I believe a guy from CBS an A&R guy who was um, paying for Steve Perry's demo and he was sending the demos to um, to Herbie and telling Herbie that you know if you take Steve on we'll give you more um, money for um, for production and tour and uh, and we'll get you a producer and all this stuff and so it was sort of the um, the godfather um, you know thing like uh, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse so um, that's what happened and the band was very upset um, I was upset because I believe that you know we were the five musketeers and and um, and everybody was really happy with each other we had great times on the road and we still have I mean we're still very close friends to this day and um, you know I got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame with them and um, you know I'm quite sure sometime soon in the near future we'll possibly get into the um, Holly uh, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame you know so well I, I tell you what everything I, is good in that in that sense you know in, in, in that I, I, I will say this I know we just met we just we just started talking on the phone but I'm already gonna ask you for a favor because my old lady's favorite band is Journey. And and uh -huh. she she loves your song uh, off the box set for you, loves it. Uh huh. So if you could say hi to Shauna, this will definitely get me a blowjob, and I would appreciate. It. <laughs> I would appreciate. It. So if you could say hi, well, uh, hi Shauna, <laughs> dude, you're doing me a solid here. I appreciate it. Hi Shauna, oh. <laughs> for loving uh, all for you, and. Um... Oh, Give man. your man a, a, a great loving kiss. <laughs> oh, in the man. privates. Thank you so much, man. You just did me a solid. I really appreciate that. Man, what a pathetic <laughs> relationship you have, Ian. I, I know, I, yeah. I know, but it, it's so much better now. You could have left. You could have left the blowjob part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because you know I'm going to use that. I mean, like, hey, he said hi, Shauna. You know. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I got to do what I got to do. <laughs> All right. Hi, Shana. Hi, Shana. Hi, Shana. Hi, Shana. <laughs> there you go. That's a week's worth right there, man. Oh, oh, oh man. Well, I hope you have a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> oh, best episode ever. <laughs> uh, so after, I, I got to ask you about this because I found this absolutely amazing. After you left Journey, uh, yeah. you did a solo album called Perfect Strangers that had... Uh, yeah a lot of uh, famous guests on it. Jimmy Crespo, who played with Aerosmith, uh, John yeah. McGee, and both uh, Neil Sean and Greg Raleigh. Uh, yeah. And how, I mean, I, mean I, I can understand how you got Neil and Greg on there, but how did uh, Jimmy Crespo and John McGee get involved? Um, see, I, I knew John uh, McGee um, because I used to, um, they, used to, they recorded at the Village Recorders in, um, in Los Angeles. And I had a girlfriend who was an engineer there, and uh, I used to, you know, I used to go to some of the, I used to go there, and I used to record, I actually did part of my album there, too, Perfect Stranger. And, um, and I met John there, and I needed somebody to play bass, and uh, actually John, <laughs> John came so fucked up at the session, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and so, 
So um, we, we we had to do a lot, a lot of punching in and stuff like that, but it, it was fun. No. And then I had actually the guy, the, there's, um, the sax, there's a couple of sax solos on the album, and that's um, um, this guy from um, from Supertramp. That's the guy from Supertramp. Oh, wow. Yeah, McVeek. Um, oh. such a long time ago, man. I'm sorry. Nice. But that's him. He, he he's playing on there. Now, now what about uh? Jim yeah, I, I, yeah, his name was Vince McCool because we uh, he couldn't use his real name because oh. I had to go through a bunch of legal stuff to get him on there going through A and M Records because Super Tramp was with A and M. Well, what about Jimmy Crespo? Was he an Aerosmith? At that Jimmy time? Jimmy was um, Jimmy lived in New York and. Um, and um, I was looking for somebody to play slide, and uh, Jimmy Iovine knew Jimmy, and Jimmy came, Crespo came down, and um, and he did a great job. He played on uh, Ace in the Hole. That album is like, I, there's a lot of songs that I wish I hadn't put uh, put on there and had replaced them with other ones that I had written, and it was, and Clive Davis signed me to Arista Records and sort of like all of discovered me in a sense and um, he sequenced the record so he just he just really you know lightened the loafers uh, so yeah so he, he sequenced this thing and I wouldn't have done it that way I would have put all the heavy songs first you know and salt and pepper to the second side you know but um, anyway it is what it is and um, you know People like it, and I I can't see why they do, and because <laughs> I was, and I and because I just don't like it, and, and there was a lot of, um, it was a lear- it was a learning experience for me because I got to work with Shelly Yakis, who worked with a lot of famous, um, who recorded a lot of great stuff, and um, and it was uh, it was like going to school for me. You know, and from there I learned a lot and, and you know, kept those those in the rest of my repertoire and recording life through my life here. Robert, I heard uh, during that time you were uh, opening for Van Halen. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, we opened up for Van Halen. I think we did about, um, I think we did about 12 shows with them. That was uh, 1979, so that had to be the their first headlining the show. The Devil Tour. Uh, wasn't it Van Halen 2, like Dance the Night Away and stuff like that? So no, it was. Uh, it was uh, the it first was, album. Uh, running with the Devil. Oh wow, the first album. And uh, how was that? You have any crazy? Is, is that the, it, it was the it was a Running with the Devil tour, is what they called it. Oh, so maybe it was the second album. Um, yeah. Let me ask you: Do you, do you have any crazy Van Halen stories of, of uh, that tour you did with them? Um, well, they were. Everyone was super nice to me, um, except for um, guess who? Ah, <laughs> that's my favorite. <laughs> huh? I, I I said I know who you're talking about, but that's my favorite. But he he wasn't cool. Nah, he was he was a twat. <laughs> uh, uh, so anyway, Eddie and Eddie and Michael and and Alex, um, with you know, before they were to go um, and get ready to go on um, to get ready in the um, backstage, they would watch. They would stand on the side and watch me do 
you know, two songs or so. And then they would go back and get ready, and then I'd be off. And, and you know, they were just really super nice to me. And actually, Eddie goes, I wish we had you in the band, you know. And I'm going like, what? <laughs> so I guess I guess, I guess uh, Turmoil was, was starting back then, early. Wow. But, some, uh, some shit never changes. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and so, you know, he never... So David never said anything to me. I would say hi to him. He just kind of like, you know wish by so then he so then they'd be on stage and then they would uh, they would always have all these chicks behind stage you know and and some of these little chicks would have these little white gloves on like David would wear anyway so they would be these chicks behind stage and everything so I'd like fucking just like you know take them to back you know take them back into the dressing room and you know have my time with them and nice <laughs> take off their little white gloves. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so it was it was kind of like, I'm going to, you know, nail as many of these girls as I can before you do. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, God. oh, so so Dave had sloppy seconds. <laughs> I was just going to say Dave. That's yes, right. <laughs> Dave knows what you taste like. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Talk about invasion. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, so that was that was my silent revenge. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, now, boy, humble baby, simply bubbly, humble baby, simply bop. Uh, here's something that I never knew uh, until I was doing some research. But for a while, you were almost the lead singer for Asia. Is that correct? Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um. Asia had just signed a deal with um, Geffen Records, and John Kolodner was the head of A&R at um, Geffen, and um, it was a friend of mine, and he asked me if I'd be interested in going to, uh, to England to audition for Bank Call Asia with uh, John Wetton. And I said, sure, you know, John Wetton's a, you know, a monster. You know, he's been with King Crimson, and just he's pretty fantastic so anyway um they he gives me the uh the cassette and the cassette is pretty much virtually what the album is you know with john wetton's scene and and the whole deal and all the production everything so i'm listening to this this uh cassette for like two weeks you know and i'm listening to it and i think it's fucking great you know, you've heard the Asia album, right? Yeah. Th- now, this is prior to the release of the debut album. Right. It okay. is the debut okay. album. Oh, oh no, no, no. Yeah. The debut album. Yeah, the you know, debut just album. Just like you fantastic. would hear it yourself. Oh, wow. It was fantastic. Yeah. I, I fly into England and I'm just, just completely jet lagged and I get into this hotel and I sleep for like five hours and I get this knock on the door and it's their, their road manager and he picks me up takes me to this rehearsal studio I go in and there are you know some of the most amazing talented um, musicians on the earth you know Steve Howell Carl Palmer Jeffrey Dunn's John Wetton and just standing there just like looking at the you know like wow and um, so we start rehearsing and I start singing and um, after after about three days of doing that, I just go, you know what? I, I told Peter Mensch, their manager, I said, you know, John is, is Asia. 
The album is amazing. It's tailor-made for him. He wrote the songs. He knows all the inflections. He is the narrator. I said, you don't need me. I said, I'm just, I'm like a pair, I feel like a pair of brown shoes in a, with a tuxedo. And I'm just, I just think that he's the guy. He's Asia. And I just bowed out. Because wow. I just, I, I couldn't hear myself singing it because I was so, so entrenched with his voice in my, in my head hearing that music. Well, let me be the judge. Can, can you sing Heat of the Moment and, and I'll tell you who's better? <laughs> I, I I thought he was, yeah I thought he was better oh okay I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean that, that that's something though to say that I mean because that had to be an incredible opportunity for you but I mean I guess if you don't feel that it's right you don't feel that it's right no I mean it wasn't it wasn't you know and I and I just felt I I didn't feel uh, comfortable with it all right so and so, so I just I, Go ahead. So I just stepped aside and, um, you know, went shopping. <laughs> now, so after Asia, um, now you you tried to start something, or I'm sorry, I shouldn't say you tried. Uh, Vinny Vincent contacted you before he joined KISS, correct? Yeah. Okay, how, how'd that come about? There was a guy who was a friend of a drummer friend of mine, a guy named Art Wood. Um, and this guy wrote songs with Paul Stanley. I can't remember his name. Was it Mitchell, uh, something Mitchell? Yeah, 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 Adam Mitchell. Adam, Adam Mitchell, Mitchell, yeah. Yeah, Adam Mitchell. So um, Adam met Vinny, I guess, and uh, Vinny asked him if he knew any singers, so Adam suggested me, and then Vinny got a hold of me. And um, he called me up, and um, he, I said, come on over to my house. And he came over to my house, and he brought a, you know, set with him. And when I opened up the door, Vinny was not in drag. And, um, <laughs> <Rare>. <laughs> he wore, he was wearing t-shirt and uh, tennis shoes and, uh, and, and pants. And, uh, and so um, I let him in. Um, so I listened to this stuff. And he played me, I think, uh, oh, what was it? Um, do you want, no, 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 no. Um, not Shoot You Full of Love, but some other song. Back in, back in the Streets? I know that was an older one he had. I think he might have played that for me. And he played me a couple, he played me like three or four songs. And I, and I thought it was, it was really good. I thought, hey, he's a really good songwriter. And he's, got, he's just like incredible riff player, you know? comes up with great riffs and he seemed to be very very nice and um, so um, we got back together again and I had like a four track studio in my house you know one of these Porta studios and uh, where, where I did demos and so we 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 wrote some songs and um, then eventually we we he went in and um, with I guess Andy Johns and recorded some stuff and then I went in later and put some vocal tracks onto it and then with that demo um, he took that demo and um, got the deal with um, with uh, Chrysalis Records so um, later on and so then um, so we got together and we were writing and all that stuff I'm trying to remember the time frame here and um 
And then he got the offer from um, Kiss. And he calls me up and tells me that, you know, Kiss um, gave him an offer to be in the band and uh, he was going to have twins. His wife was pregnant and he was living in this little shoebox of an apartment. And I just said, you know, do it. Get yourself out of there. You're going to have twins. You're going to get some money. You know, you're going to get your family life together and just go and do it. So he, he did it. And, uh, you know, eventually he called me back again. And then we sort of ping-ponged for a while. And um, then he got the, then that's when he got, then that's when I believe we went into the studio and then he got the deal with Chrysalis. Now, and I was, and then he excluded me out of the deal. Oh, shit. But the, the Vinnie Vincent that you met before he joined KISS, was, was it a different guy? Was it a different personality? And did he change after KISS or was he still kind of flighty beforehand? He was flighty beforehand. Okay. You know, it, 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 there's, you can't change the stripes on the zebra, you know? Right. Well, I mean, there's some people that say, like, the whole KISS experience kind of fucked him up and changed him. But it's interesting because you knew him beforehand. So you're, you're saying there was already something missing there before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, so, you know, so we fast forward. He, he leaves Kiss, and then he gets back in contact with you, and uh, you know, you, you guys start working together, and it's obviously a different type of music than than what you were playing before. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, were were you comfortable with that? Was that something like you just totally like, yeah, let's do this, or is something like, wow, this is kind of weird. This isn't what I normally do. How was that? Um. Uh, your first, your first, your first. Okay. All let right. Me, let me I ask. Just, I, 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 when I, I mean, I heard the songs. You know, he he played me no substitute, and other, and you know, and then, but then when I got into the studio with him, and then he had all these other songs like Twisted and and uh, you know, all these other ones. That's when I was started getting like it started getting a little weird with me, you know. And he was he was saying. Um, you know, can you can you can you uh, uh, sing this lyric? You know, and I go, hey, you know, guys don't sing that lyric. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know I don't say that. You know, so um, yeah, it was kind of funny because when I first, a lot of music was already done, and then I came in to just you know blow over it basically. So he. The first day I go in there, they did. They had this uh, music booth, vocal booth, and um, he had lined it all with uh, Playboy centerfolds. So the the whole the whole inside of it, like, was just covered with centerfolds. You know. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and I'm going. I walk in. I thought, here's all this fucking kiss and ass, and you know, here and. I'm going like, Vinny, uh, I think it's going to take more than this to get me off, you know? <laughs> uh, Robert, let me go back a little bit. You were talking about those demos you did pre-Kiss, pre-Vinny Kiss, that got him the deal with Chrysalis. Was, are any of those songs ended up on the Invasion album, and did you sing them differently, or or were they sung pretty much the same as the album? Um, I probably pretty much the same as the album I sang them you know and all those the demos like all those songs ended up on the album yeah yeah 
have those have those More. have those demos ever been leaked or are they out there? I um, I don't know if they have been leaked or anything. I I have some copies of them, you know, but uh, they're on cassette, and um, or maybe I might have some on on DAT, but that's about it. So, were you a fan of uh, that kind of genre of like glam metal at all, or was that just like a whole new world to you? I grew up in I, I grew up in in um, Los Angeles, Hollywood. You know, every everybody sort of um, just rolled. It's like you got the map of the United States and you tilted it towards California, and all the nuts and bolts came. You know, were trying you, to make it. Were you part of the whole? Um, club scene like the whiskey and all that uh playing playing the circuit no i mean i i i went to the whiskey in the day when you know it was the whiskey and i went to the rainbow when the rainbow was the rainbow you know like when when the, the stones used to hang out at the rainbow or david bowie would hang out at the rainbow or john lennon was there or keith moon was there you know Townsend, the zeppelin all those people you know that's 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 what i remember those days Right, nice. and, and and I'm gonna go way back now, pre-journey, uh, before that whole thing. Were I know they they got a hold of you, so you must have been out there slugging it out somehow. You 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 did you have any recordings way back then on uh, with any bands or anything like that? Um, yeah, I do have recordings, but they're not out. You know, they they never went out. I was back then. I was like, you know, fucking 18 years old. Okay, and you were playing like with some local, uh, like a local band, like bands you you uh, joined at a young age. Were they like friends and yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did the garage band, and you know, you played certain places. Uh, and and those were like L.A., like the Strip around there. Um, no, actually, they were more like in Long Beach and um, in Torrance, California, and in the Palos Verdes. But I so, did play one time at the Starwood. Nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, going back to the Vinnie Vincent. Uh, okay, so you record the album. And next thing you know, uh, you're not in the band. And they have Mark Slaughter out there, like, lip-syncing your uh, your voice to a well, video. No, no, that, was, that came later on. I was, I was with the band, recorded. And um, Vinnie had a guy he was working with named George something. George Sewitt? And he was, yeah, George Sewitt was his manager. And I didn't like George Sewitt. I thought he was kind of a thug. And, um, and I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to sign a management agreement with him. At the photo session, which was a fucking ridiculous thing. I mean, I, I had my hair with all one length and, and this stylist came and fucking shut, you know, cut my hair like a fucking poodle and so I'm just like really pissed off and then George comes to me with a like a phone book of a contract and says he wants me to sign it and trust me and I'm going like look I'm gonna give it to my lawyer he can look at it no no you have to do it now you have to do it now and are you guys there yeah yeah and so um I refused to do it so so eventually what happened was um uh, Chrysalis, he was telling Chrysalis that I was signed to him the entire time, 
and uh, they found out that he was lying. So they got pissed off and got rid of him. And then they called me up and said, um, you know, do you want to do this? And I said, not really. I don't want to do it anymore. And um, they said, well, we're going to take your voice off the album. And I said, you go ahead, do what you have to do. So they told us, so I told them they would have to spend a whole shitload of money again. And um, and when we were, re- were when we were uh, mixing the album, Vinny would just always um, throw the faders up on his guitars. So here, George Tutko would be like mixing for three hours, and he would then Vinny would go in and sneak in and throw everything up, and then George would go like, "What the fuck happened?" You know, he seems like his ears are going bad. But it was Vinny constantly pushing his guitars up, and he and he and he would have he had eight rhythm guitar tracks when you only need two. Oh boy. You know, and, and it was just, it was just, it, it was like, it was hell. It was hell. Now let, let me ask you this, going back to that photo shoot, do you have a picture of what your hair looked like before they cut it? Um, that, that, that you could email us? to. to... <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't. Not. I don't have anything that I could grab right now. <laughs> and everything is probably my. A lot of my stuff is in storage right now. I, yeah, well, yeah, as you can see in the in the review I did, I, I was a little harsh on your hairdo there, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I was harsh on my hairdo too. I was so fucking mad. I was it, it made no sense to me because we're talking about the roaring '80s, where if you wanted to be a glam, a singer, you, you your hair should have been one length. Oh man, it's it's just I just anyway. I, I look like I'm with like three inflatable drag queens, you know. <laughs> now, now let me ask you this because there's a lot of room, you know, with with you know Kiss, Vinnie Vince and stuff. There's always a lot of rumors, and this is one that's been picking up a lot of steam. And you can solve this for me. Is it true that the person that did all the makeup and the design was Caitlyn Jenner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 but by then I think she went by Bruce Jenner. But I, I, I'm just curious because that look, whoo, holy cow! It, it was scary. I, oh. I, I, I see those pictures, or I see other bands like that. I go, those are grown men. Those are grown young men trying to look like fucking women, like drag queen women. You know, it's like, oh my god. <laughs> And uh, I understand too that okay. they, I, don't, I mean a beard, long hair. At least you look like a fucking motorcycle, like you're gonna kick <laughs> somebody's ass instead of lick somebody's ass. You know? <laughs> which which brings us uh, another question. Uh, you mentioned licking ass. I mean, Vinny. Uh, there's been rumors about him, uh, but uh, as you said, he had a wife and he had a kid. There was no. I mean, with all the pink and the, and that look he had back then. Uh, you didn't hear any rumors or see anything to uh, say that he wasn't like completely to straight. his sexuality, you mean? Yes, sir. <laughs> well, I thought one time we were, I was with him and he drove so fucking weird. He drove, he drove a car with his legs crossed. What? <laughs> yeah, he would drive with his legs, he'd have his legs crossed. And then the the one dominant foot, whatever he would would put the gas on or or uh, put his foot on the brake. That is odd. Ah, oh, tell me about it. 
So, so we're, he's, I'm in the car and I'm watching this. I'm going, what the fuck is <laughs> So I go, either he has to fucking take a shit, he's got diarrhea, or, you know, whatever is going on, you know? So, so I, um, so we're driving through this neighborhood and he points out this house to me and he goes, see that house? That's a dominatrix house. They got a basement down there. I'm just going like, okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> It kind of just like flew over my head, you know, and just like, oh, okay, and, you know. And so, um, well, there's supposedly rumors, you know, stuff like that. So, but nothing that you I, saw or could confirm. Nothing that I ever saw, but you know, he acted very queenie around me. He used to get, in, he used to come to my house, and my wife would, um, you know, show him better types of makeup, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, and but um, one time um, he called me up and go, we're going to have a meeting with Chrysalis, you know, everybody's going to be there and uh, and uh, all the executives are going to be there and we're going to um, they're going to take us out to dinner. And I go, okay, great. So um, we all end up in this in in the vice the vice president or the president's um, uh, office and we're all waiting for Vinny to come in. He's late <clears throat> and Vinny comes walking in. And Vinny just looks like he just shot up heroin and just got into mommy's makeup, you know. And it was just unbelievable. And so he is just, just got so much makeup on and everything. Finally, we're like talking, and as as the as the as the moments go by, one guy after another would go, "Hey, you know what? I can't make that dinner. I got another appointment," <laughs> you know. So, so it, it just it, it ended up like I don't even I, I don't even think none of them went. I think they all bowed out. Wow. To dinner. So, so then so uh, no, we, we went out with one guy. One guy did go. Yeah, one one year in our I think. And so we're walking to this this restaurant, and I'm like walking way behind, way behind, you know, because <laughs> I don't want to be like seen with this thing, you know. So, anyway. During that time, uh, was that a wig he was wearing, or was that his hair? Uh, it would be, uh, he, he would wear wigs, yeah. He had the uh, Latina Turner wig, and then he right. had the other wigs. Now, now, yeah. now was, that was he balding or anything, or he just wanted, like, some extravagant kind of look? Well, he had very thin hair. Okay. I don't know if he was balding, per se, but he had thin hair, but... That's how he envisioned himself. He envisioned himself to be, I think, like the heavy metal uh, prince. Wow. Yeah, well, he definitely looked like it. That's for damn sure. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that, that's what he was going for. Was, now, he, looked, he looked more like the heavy metal E.T. <laughs> <laughs> now, another person... Poon me. Instead of take you home, poon me. <laughs> Another yeah, that was, that was another thing when I I played with him um, one time with uh, uh, I guess it was um, New England was that a band that he had? Yes, New England. Herschel. Yes, yes. Yeah, they, he he um, they were in town one time in Los Angeles and we he invited me to come down to a rehearsal once and I and I went down there and played with it, with him live you know and Vinny was playing and Vinny could not keep in tune. I mean, I was I was driving home after that, and I was going, "How can you play a song all the way through without this guy getting out of tune?" You know. Now, other than that, so, 
Did you play any <clears throat> live shows as the Vinnie Vincent Invasion? No. No? no. Okay. And uh, another person I got to ask you about because I've got a theory about this guy, and uh, I'm talking about Dana Strunk, and he has like a weird history, uh, you know, in, in rock and you know heavy metal, where like he introduced a lot of people to people, but he never seemed to make it into any band before Vinnie and Vincent. And I got a feeling that that's because there's something wrong with this guy. And uh, is there anything you want to talk about with Dana Strum? Um, I don't really care for him. Okay, I mean, you seem not to be alone, because I've heard many, many horrible stories about Dana through the years by many, well, many... Well, they're probably, they're most likely all true. R- really? I mean, he did some really, he did some real rotten things to Vinny. Oh, it's, really? a, it's a Vinny. Oh, yeah. Because Vinny seems to be the one that's doing all the rotten things, so he did... So, uh, this was even during your time with the band? Oh, yeah. Really? Even back then? And uh, Vinny... so he, he, I mean, I went in and recorded with him, and he was, you know, he was he was recording and producing that record, which he had no business doing. Okay, and, uh, and Vinny put up with that, huh? Well, Vinny kind of just... Vinny would just hand him, handed him the steering wheel... And then you know, and then later on, Vinny would bitch about where this, you know, where the where it was taking, where he was taking him. And I would tell Vinny, I go, look at you know, you can't give, you can't, you got to have your hands on the steering wheel of life, you know. You can't give it to somebody else and expect it to be, you know, exactly what you imagine. Wow, that, that now that that's something I did not know. That's I mean, oh uh, I- yeah. I figured it was afterwards where Dana kind of like with the slaughter thing pulled the wool over Vinny's well, Dana, Dana, Dana was always working behind the scenes to sabotage or, or do whatever, you know. He did some really rotten things. One, one thing he did to me was that um, he sent me like these letters saying that I would never work in Hollywood again or I'm done in the music business and all this stuff. And, and there are these anonymous letters, but little did he know was he was I hear him talking, and he'd be saying, "Oh yeah, I'm going downtown. I'm working with this band. I'm producing this chick or whatever." And so, you know, all the letters that were coming to me were down from downtown Los Angeles. So I knew they were from him. You know. <laughs> wow, that's that's amazing. Oh yeah, he would call up and, and ask for outboard gear. Going, hey, you know, we're making the Vinnie Vincent album, and I need some outboard gear. I need your Echo, this and that, or your rear system, or da 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 da. And he, they would send him all kinds of stuff, and he would keep it all. Wow. <laughs> he he kind of he kind of seems like an opportunist. Like he just kept. Oh, uh, you, you you come in and it was like I have to pose right now. I have to have my, you know, Wall Street Journal in my hand and my feet up on the console so I can, you know, check out my stocks. You know, it's like fine, dandy, you know, but. He's just such an obnoxious person. No, no grace at all. You know. Wow. It seems like this band was. Uh... How about how about Bobby Rock? Was he cool at least? He's amazingly cool. He's he's a he's a great 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 guy. Okay. Cool. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. I, I still keep in contact with Bobby. Bobby used to come. He'd like drive by my house sometimes and just like stop by and say hi and. You know, you know, he had a really bad, sad incident happen to him with his girlfriend, you know. Oh, no, I don't know this. Years ago. 
No. Yeah, his girlfriend went to an eight. Are you there? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he, his girlfriend went to an ATM uh, in the valley in, on uh, Ventura Boulevard, and um, somebody stabbed her. She was pregnant. Oh, oh no, no. Oh. Yeah, and I, I believe she, she she died, too. Oh, oh man. That's horrible. You know, it yeah. is horrible. Yeah, you heard... You, I, but I, you know, there's something similar to that. I mean, I don't know how true this is, Robert. Maybe you know. Um, this is what I heard, so oh, I don't... I heard that um, Vinny's wife was a call girl, and she was murdered by a serial Zero. killer. Yeah, that that's yeah. true. Yeah. Wow. Did you know her? Yes. So was was that the same wife he had that had the the twins? Yeah. Oh wow! So he wow. was with her for a while. Marie, and her name was Anne Marie. Wow. Oh man. Yeah, that was sad. Yeah, you know, and a lot of people thought for a long time that he he had possibly ties to it. You know? Wow, I never heard that. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh. And, and since he has remarried, because, or or is it a girlfriend he's with? Well, well, no, no, no. His 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 pre, his most recent wife, I believe, like with the whole dog thing, I believe she passed away as well. Really? Yeah, she was an alcoholic. Wow. Well, you'd have From to. What be, I understand. With, to be with Vinny, you know. I, I, oh, I mean, man. I mean, no disrespect, but I mean, I mean, I mean come on, you know, shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he, I think he walloped her too around too. He, he had a mean streak to him too. Wow, yeah, it was just probably like out of bitterness. I mean, because he seems like a very he, bitter man. Well, I, when I used, he used, when we used to, um, when he was recording um, one of his albums that I worked with him on, he had Andre LaBelle playing drums. And he would just, like, say the rudest, meanest things to Andre, and I just would stick up for him and go, look, man, you can't talk to people that way. You know, what are you doing? You know, you don't talk to people that way. That that must have been, oh. uh, what was that thing you did with him after Invasion? It was like Guitar Armageddon or something? Guitar Armageddon or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Or It has so many different titles, I don't know. I, I've, I've never really heard the album or anything. Now, uh, Ralph, did you ever get to meet Vinnie Vincent? No, I never met Vinnie Vincent. Can't say I have, no. I, I got to meet him at a KISS convention. And uh, it was funny. At the time, I had the... I think I told this story in a previous episode. Yes, I'll you tell did. It again. Yes, uh, I had I had the history book, and I'm waiting to... I was going to have him sign it. It was already signed by Gene and Paul and uh, Bruce and Eric Singer. And uh, while I'm waiting in line, the guy says, Hey, you're going to let him sign that? I was like, yeah. He goes... He goes, put your hand over it, because if you don't, he's going to write his name like 10 times bigger than everybody else's. And, you know, and I'm like, yeah, you know, all right, you know, what do you know? So we're waiting in line, and he comes out, and I got excited because I was like, holy shit, Joyce DeWitt from fucking Three's Company's here, too. <laughs> you know, I, I later found out it was Vinny. I was like, oh, shit. I, I thought I was going to meet two stars. But, uh... I, I, I get up there, you know, and I, I'm nervous. I, I was young, too. I, I was nervous. I was like, I shook his hands and some stupid shit. Like, I was like, oh, so nice to shake the hand that played so many, you know, awesome riffs. He's like, oh, thank you. And then I give him the book. Yeah, I know. And I, I didn't listen to what the guy said. I just handed it to him. And sure enough, not only did he write it bigger than shit, he wrote over, like, Paul and Gene's signature. 
And I and as soon as he did, I'm like, you fucking prick. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god. But yeah, I mean, I mean, he looked like a little pixie. You know, he probably weighed like you know 110 pounds. And uh, uh, like I said, amazing. Well, don't, don't get me wrong, though. You know, we everybody has their tales of woe and and whatever with Vinny, but you know, Vinny is an incredible, incredible musician. Oh, um, he can play. He can play virtually anything. He he writes great songs. He can sing. I thought that he should have sang the the Invasion album. To tell you the truth, uh, yeah, and yeah, no disrespect, but but I agree. I think he had a really nice voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of soul, you know, and he's 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 great. But he just he just has a hard time with with um, with life. And I, I feel bad for him, and I always wish him the best. And you know, everything I say about him, it's all a bit tongue in cheek. And and I, you know, have no disrespect, or I don't hate him or anything. And you know, even though he's, you know, done a lot of shitty things to me, but you know, time flies, and you just and you understand that you understand the animal, and you just kind of, you know, kind of have a human touch and just feel like you know he needs help or well, you know I feel sorry for him a bit let, let, let me ask you this and, and I mean if, if you don't want to answer that's fine but uh is is there a substance abuse problem with him or is it like purely mental no uh uh-uh. no okay no 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 he didn't even he just he barely even drank wine wow okay yeah he was totally straight I used to I used to, I used to get a little nuts in the studio with you know with all the shit going on. So I'd I'd roll these huge joints, you know. Hell yeah! Smoke these, huh? I said hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd roll up these huge joints and smoke them, and and, and then he would turn around and go, I, I feel like I'm getting a contact high, you know. <laughs> and, and he would get, and then he would just, and then and then he would go. Do you have any more of that pot today? I go, no, no, I don't have any pot. I ran out of it. He goes, maybe you should get some, you know. So, I, so then, um, I, so then I would get some, you know, and then I, I just, I'd smoke it in there, and, and he would get a little tipsy, I think, and, and then I just start, start just blowing it at him, you know. And, um, but it was kind of fun. That was the only time. That was the only time I ever saw him, you know, kind of a little tweet. And that was uh, early on, like during the invasion, because I know you came back. No, that was on the guitar. Uh, that was when we were doing um, "Do You Want to Make Love." No, no, not "Do You Want." Um, "Rocks on Fire," that song. Okay. Uh, okay. And and how did that come about, Robert? Because I know it was like you were saying before. I understand why you went back, because you're you sound like a very forgiven, and you know you wish Vinny the best. Uh, you know, after the whole debacle of uh, Invasion, which, by the way, I, I would like to ask you, uh, when, uh, what was your reaction and, and uh, when you actually saw the Boys Are Gonna Rock video for the first time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I was getting these phone calls from people going, hey, the Vinny Vincent thing's going to be on in 10 minutes. It's going to be on in five minutes. It's going to be on, you know. So I turned on MTV and you know there's the beginning and there's Vinny and everything and all of a sudden here's this guy lip syncing to my voice and I mean I don't know but it looked to me like he was wearing panties on the outside of his leather pants like 
Was that was that my am I hallucinating that or is that yeah, true? Was he? No, I mean, that 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 was the look, man. That was the look. I think I blocked he, that out. So, so he was wearing black panties over his pants, leather <laughs> pants. Uh, I think but, if the, it, that's what it that's what it looked like, you know. But um, <laughs> I thought it was just like unbelievable, you know. I thought it was unbelievable. It was it was stunning. It was shocking, you know. Um, video, but I just felt like, wow. So I ended up suing Chrysalis in uh, one. Oh, really? So that was oh. actually the very, yeah, that was the very first Billy, you know, Millie Vanilli. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And, and, and here's an interesting thing. Uh... But after I did that, I sort of got blackballed from, from Chrysalis. Oh, Chrysalis was, yeah. yeah, they were, they were trying to, uh, you know, make other people not take meetings with me and stuff like that. Well, yeah, because they had to pay money. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, an interesting fact, though, is even though, like, what you did with the, the Vinnie Vincent invasion sounds vocally different than your other work, I really think, you know, at least in my head, that Mark Slaughter really kind of took your singing style. Because to me, when I well, when I, when he was he was Mark was made to sing like me, and from what from what I understand, and um, you know, I've never really had very high regards for Mark Slaughter in any way. But I did hear an interview with him, and I, he really changed my mind. I think he's a really nice person. I think he's a, a hard worker. Um, and uh, and I uh, respect him, you know. Well, I, it's, it's hard to it's hard to make a living today, you know, in in rock. And you know, those guys are out there playing and, and doing their thing. And you know, I don't like the songwriting and stuff. I think it's you know, pretty lame. But I don't I, I I don't feel bad or or have any you know bad feelings towards him. Right. I had kind of like you know this guy's like you know pretty well, hard up to do that. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying he's he's a bad guy, but I think like if you listen to your vocals uh, on the first Invasion album, I think he really like mimicked that his entire career because I think he really tried to sing in that style and 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 right. and, and tried to sound close to like what you did on that album. And I, I, I found right. that and and not to say like sometimes people can't help how their voice sounds. You know, some right. people you know. Uh, get accused of being a Robert Plant clone, but that's what their voice sounds like. And uh, yeah. but I, I find a lot of similarities in the second Invasion album, and, and in Slaughter, it's it's like he sings in that style that you did, uh, and I, I, I just uh, always found that interesting. Uh, well, you know, I've never heard a Slaughter album before. Well, you're or, lucky. <laughs> <laughs> or I never heard. You know, I, I think they had a song something about. Up all night or yeah, something. Yeah, like that. yeah, 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 yeah. That was a good song for them. So, so how did, what, what was this? What, what did you were you saying before? Uh, you did an interview with Mark Slaughter. Is that what you said? No, no. I I, I heard one. Oh, I heard an oh, interview oh, okay, with, okay. With, uh, with him just um, not too long ago, and I thought, oh, I'll take a look, you know, take a peek at this. And so I listened to it, and I I, I thought he was a nice guy, like I said. Okay. Uh, and he doesn't, and he does have actually a good voice, where it doesn't sound like you know the, the cats being tortured as well. But he, <laughs> but but he never, but he never, uh, he never used it in none of his uh, 
work because I heard him on a tribute album where he sang normally, kind of like you, Robert. I mean, we will get into the sky very soon, which I, I absolutely love your voice in the sky. It's great song. I'd like to go over a couple songs I love off that, but uh, before we get into the sky, just one more thing with the Vinnie Vincent. After the whole uh, invasion uh, debacle, uh, you know, they released another album and then he released, uh, I guess it was Enigma Records or Shrapnel, I don't know. Yeah. It was Enigma, correct? Yeah. How, how is it that, what, did he get in contact with you again after that? or? Yeah, he got in contact with me again, said that he had just gotten a deal with Enigma and, you know, please help me out on this and da 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 so I did, and then um, so we're, we're we're putting down tracks. We're we're recording. You know, I'm doing vocals. He's starting to get excited about the tracks, you know, everything, and so he decides that he's going to call other um, record companies and try to get get the record company to buy him out of his Enigma. Oh my gosh! So <laughs> yeah, so Enigma. I'm just going like. Can't do that. You know, Enigma gave you money to do this record. You got to follow through and give them the record, and you just don't do that, you know. Yeah. And so, finally, you know, some lawyer from another company calls up Enigma and talks to their talks to their lawyer, and guess what happens? They find out that he's doing this on the side, and they just tell him to piss off. Oh wow! So they dropped him right on the spot, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah. And then, then it was it was released, I think, on Shrapnel or something, wasn't it? I don't know. I, didn't I, know I, I don't it, think so. it was ever legitimately released. I oh, think really? Yeah, I think it's. I think he. I think he. I didn't. Isn't that the one that he that he had uh, some box set or something well, like well, that? Well, he took all these took all this money from people yes. and never delivered. Yes, I, that is I, true. I'm trying to remember at the Kiss convention I went to. I think you could purchase it there. I could be wrong. But yeah, there was an incident where he had a box set where you can order it, and people ordered it and never received it, but they also never got their money back. Right. Yeah, that's... Uh, now, uh, there's, lots of, there's lots of stories like that with guitars, everything. Now, Robert, when was the last time you had any contact with it? Uh, 30 years, maybe over 30 years ago. Wow. wow. That is, wow. That's amazing. Like I, like I was trying to the last time I wanted to put my hand in the blender again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I mean, you have any more of any questions, Ian, or you want to get into the sky? No, I, I would like. I would like to hear about the sky because I, I, I really enjoyed it, Robert. I enjoyed it a lot, uh, and I and I was surprised. I mean, I mean, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know, hearing the Invasion album, I was like, well, what's this going to sound like? And uh, man, I was pleasantly surprised. So, please tell us about the sky. Well, the sky kind of came along when um, I had just received a star with uh, Journey on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and that night, Journey did a show at the uh, House of Blues, and they asked me to come up on stage and sing um, Wheel in the Sky. And so um, I hadn't been on stage for some, some time because, you know, I just, I kind of had it with the rock and roll circus, you know, right. with all that stuff. And so um, I, I got up there and I started singing and I heard, you know, I had that great music behind me and it was loud and my voice was coming out loud and all the people were there and it just felt like, God, you know, I really missed doing this. I really, really missed doing this. 
And so um, the next day, my friend uh, Andre Lobel, who played drums with um, Vinny, um, called me up and uh, congratulated me. And I was talking to him, and I said, you know, I'm really thinking about putting a band together and getting on and you know, playing again. And uh, he said, look, it, I want to play drums with you. I know some great players here in Richmond, Virginia. And um, so about two weeks go by, and I finally go to Richmond, Virginia, and I, and I play with some really great players. I spent a week there, and I really loved it, and I just loved the feeling of just getting back in the saddle again, you know. So um, I went back home to L.A., and I, um, and I thought, well, maybe I should try to put, the, put a band together here in L.A., but I never found the right people. I found a lot of like guys that knew how to hold a guitar over their shoulders and look good, but not play. Right. And a lot of them were just real mercenaries. And so I decided to, uh, my, my wife found a job in Richmond, Virginia, and she said, let's go. So we packed up the house and everything and went to Richmond, Virginia, and I put the band together there. I found a rehearsal place. I wrote all the first albums there and started rehearsing. We did a couple of gigs, and then after the couple of gigs, I decided that I wanted to write some more, do another album, and so then I wrote uh, wrote Majestic, which is um, you know, one I think you heard, and um, and then um, I had my, my wife got cancer, so um, oh, that kind of that uh, really knocked everything for a loop, and um, so then I had to move from Richmond, Virginia, and I moved to uh, Wisconsin where I'm at right now, um, where her family is. So, you know, I feel like 80%, 95% of getting well is being happy. So, yes. you know, I can, I can write and do whatever I do anywhere, you know. So, so we're, I'm here right now, and I'm writing the new um, Sky album, which is going to be called Stratosphere. And I'm um, just accumulating songs, and um, I should be, I'm going to write seven more songs and then I'm going to go to Richmond and start recording the next album and um, I just got a, a deal going where I'm going to uh, do I'm doing licensing throughout Europe so Europe will have uh, the Sky albums and my all my material out there soon oh, that's so fantastic. you know and then I'm going to do some I'm probably going to do some uh, dates in Europe to support nice. the, uh, the record I got to tell you when I, when I went and checked it out like I said Man, I was pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed it. And t to me, it sounds like something that's sor sorely missing in the music today. It was just some really good, straightforward rock and roll. Something you don't get, you know, on the radio anymore. I mean, you just don't hear good rock music. And uh, I man, when, when I saw the video for Boomerang, I was, I was so excited because I was like, damn, I wonder if it's going to be Mark Slaughter in the video. <laughs> and well, I was, put on a put put on a mini wig and then squint your eyes. But I, I was glad to see you. And, and man, I, uh, the the first one I listened to was Boomerang. And man, you, you had me hooked right away. I mean, it was just a good, straightforward rock and roll song and good songwriting, good uh, musicianship. And uh, I really enjoyed it, dude. I mean, seriously. Uh, Thanks. Well, I hope you tell other people. I hope. Oh well, yeah. they're all they're all. It's it, 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 basically the band is basically a fucking garage band because we've only played a couple of places, you know. But we've been making records, 
but I want to make really great records, you know. I, I want to at least have, like, three records out there and then go out and play and then pick the best out of the three and have a fucking awesome set, you know? Well, I, I can tell you right now, uh, Robert, if you don't mind, my, my favorite tracks, because I've lived with it for a week. Uh, number one, I love Walls. That song is beautiful. That's a great, great oh, song. Uh, Take Away is awesome. All I Want is, is amazing. One More Chance, Sincerely Me, reminds me kind of like John Lennon-ish solo. Would you agree? Um... I don't know. You know, a lot of people say it's a lot. A lot of people say this stuff is very Beatles. Are you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people say it's Beatles, but you got to understand. I grew up during that time when, uh, when I was eight years old, I, I'm, um, or, or actually eleven years old. I had a cousin who was eight years older than me. And he played me all the Beatles stuff, all the British Invasion stuff. So I listened to that music all, you know, all my growing up years. Right, so, so yeah. I'm very, I, I'm very uh, marinated by that stuff. You know? Yeah, so it really does show. It, it reminds me of his like solo work. I mean, it, I don't do any. It just comes out that way. I don't intentionally. Oh yeah, no, I know, I know this, that. I know this, Robert, because I, 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 I make different music than you. My, I, though I love the Beatles. Beatles, one of my favorite bands. You know, I, I do the thrash metal, and a lot of people compare to me. And compare my band to something else where it's not like I intentionally try to do this. That's just the way it comes out. So I, I totally understand yeah. what you're saying. And, That's your uh, color, you know, that color that comes out of you. Exactly. And also want to mention the song Drowning Man. Really good uh, song. Uh, uh, thanks. And, and, uh, and also uh, Ian brought up Boomerang. Also, there's another video, which is one of my favorite tunes, too, from uh, this guy. It's called One Day. It's beautiful. It's yeah. Sort sort of uh, again to bring back the Beatles. There's a little tiny riff there that reminds me of "She's So Heavy." But um, yeah, it does have that little that little uh, arpeggio kind of thing, you know. But it's great. It but, fits um, the song my perfectly. My friend Jerry Jerry Moore um, did that video, did "Boomerang" and "One Day." And I loved uh, "Pill." I thought "Pill" was a great song too. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I have a pharmacist friend that really loves that song. Yeah, there, <laughs> there's no pill to take the pain away. Yeah, that's, that's a, right. That's another great song. And I was also pleasant. I was happy, Robert, that you weren't wearing panties outside of your pants on, on the videos. <laughs> well, I kind of second thought it. <laughs> I think you should have to get back at Mark for for lip syncing your stuff. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, uh, but I have crotchless ones. <laughs> and, and, big balls, and big balls hanging out <laughs> awesome well, not, like, not like Caitlyn Jenner <laughs> <laughs> your, your ex, uh, was she the one that cut your hair back then <laughs> I, still I tell you what if you can go through uh, you know old pictures if you can find one and email us you know what your hair looked like before. Well, actually, if you go on, if you go on to, um, uh, you go on to what you call it, um, my Facebook page. There's a uh, somebody posted a picture of me with with long hair. Oh, nice! I think I saw it. Well, was that the one where you said you look like Paul Stanley? Yeah. Yeah, that was like a uh, '79 or something. You see that? that yeah, I was. I played. Uh, that was at the uh, Oakland Coliseum, Danny Green. Nice, nice. Oh, so that yeah, was uh, the. With, that was with uh, your solo band, though, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was just, yeah. Do you remember who was on that lineup for that show? Um, uh, Boston. Boston. Sammy Hagar. Ooh. Eddie Money and myself. Nice. Oh, okay. All right, um, and, uh, anyway, so, oh, and, uh, can you tell the people out there how they can order the sky? How can they get their hand on uh, okay, well, your music? Okay, you can get you can get the sky the sky first album and the sky second album which is called Majestic on iTunes. Um, and then if you want a physical copy, you can go to the skyofficial.com and that's where we're selling the uh, CD. Um, that's the only place until um, you know, so so everything kind of come about, and uh, it's uh, and I autograph it, and um, it's great package. Uh, it's got a poster in it with the lyrics. Um, I do all the artwork, um, and uh, it's, but if you want the first Sky album, you have to go on iTunes because uh, we're sold out. We sold out the first one, and I haven't done another run of them yet. Nice. Okay, so there will be another uh, pressing of the first one. And also, right. if you can't find them there, Vinnie Vincent is selling a box set of the sky <laughs> for, for $300. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just send a check to Pueblo, Colorado. <laughs> yes. Robert, we it, wanna... it comes, it comes, you have a choice. It comes in a, a plastic bin with or without a dog. Oh! oh. Nice! <laughs> I'm so glad you did it. <laughs> sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. <laughs> Robert, we want to thank you so much. You've been an incredible guest, and man, so awesome, man. This has been a great interview. We thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me, and I appreciate it. And um, you guys take care, and uh, hope to hear from you again. Yes, oh, we will. And, hey, um, when you re- everybody, and um, don't forget to go to theskyofficial.com and check out our stuff you can we have a player on there so you can get a taste test and if you really dig it be more than happy to have one sent out to you so thank you very much everyone for your support awesome and thank Ro- you guys awesome robert and when can we expect the third sky release oh hopefully by the end of the year oh wow that's soon well it, i've been i've been writing it for a while Okay. All right. You know, I, I write about I write about like thirty to twenty five songs, and then I pick the best out of them. Nice. Well, uh, we wish you the best and 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 the best to your wife too yes. on her recovery. And thank you so thanks. much for your time, man. It's incredible. All right. You guys take care. Okay. All thanks, right, Robert. Bye. Thanks again. Take care. All right. Peace. Peace. All right. Bye. Take care. All right. So there you go. That was our interview with uh, Robert Fleischman. What a cool guy, huh? Ian? Oh, man, that was fucking awesome. That guy's really, really cool, and what a good sport, man. And knowing that, you know, he discovered me through bashing him on YouTube, and, and he ended up agreeing with everything I had to say was <laughs> pretty damn cool. And, you know, it was like the second he sent me that message, the first reply, I said, hey, man, great sport. By the way, I do a podcast. Want to be on it? And he was like, sure, and, you know, and this is what happened. So, all right, so uh, now let's go into pick of the week. All right. Well, my pick of the week is uh, the debut album by Fastway. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Oh, man. I, you know, huge Motorhead fan, huge Fast Eddie Clark fan. And, man, what a debut album. Uh, unfortunately, I think they peaked with the first album. 
even though I, you know, I really love uh, the Trick or Treat soundtrack, but that's a hodgepodge, you know, of, of the first album. The second album had some new songs. I thought but, I thought All Fired Up was awesome. It wasn't as good as the first one, but it was a good yeah, follow-up. No, no I, I I like it, but uh, Trick or Treat soundtrack and the and the debut album are my my favorites. But this this first album is just fucking amazing. I mean, just chock full of classics. Everybody knows, say what you will, but I mean, shit, songs like Another Day and Heft, We Become One, you know, Easy Living. I mean, I mean, it just it's a great, great fucking album. Uh, if you love Motor, even if you don't love Motorhead, I think it's a great all time classic. Well, it's not, it's not Motorhead at all. Like, Fast Eddie kind of, like, changed his style as well. But, it, no, it's awesome. Especially We Become One and uh, Another Day. Those are my two favorite tracks on there. Oh, hell yeah. But, you know, I love Give Some Action. And it's just the, the whole album is great. Yeah, that's a great pick there. You know, my, my pick of the week is the second album from the band Sanctuary. You ever nice. heard of Sanctuary? Oh, yeah. I know Sanctuary. Into the Mirror Black is the, the second album. Yeah, great album. The first album was uh, Refuge Denied, which is another great album. Produced uh, by Dave Mustaine. Produced by Dave Mustaine. Dave Mustaine does a solo on the incredible cover song of uh, White Rabbit. They do. But uh, this one is a little more different, a little more mature, a little more in debt, you know, uh, de- uh, depth uh, I think it's a, an amazing album from start to finish. I don't think there's a bad track on there. Uh, check it out. Sanctuary into the mirror black. That's my pick. Nice. All right. Well, then we got to go into fan of the week. And uh, this guy is a newcomer to the page. Well, well, yeah, I think we're going to air this one next week. So he's still a newcomer, but he's contributing a lot. And that's what I love. You know, you join the page, add something to it. And his name is Ivan Craig Parrish. And he's just been, you know, posting a lot of great videos some great stories and really just came out the gate a, a great fucking uh member of the page man we've got an incredible family i mean there's a lot of people on this page i've talked to more than people i fucking work with and uh man ivan you're what it's all about we appreciate you listening and we appreciate you contributing to the facebook family so ivan Parrish, you are our fan of the week Awesome. All right. All right. Go ahead. Give give, give everything. Uh, let's let's uh, get out of this one. You know we got to talk about that. Metalstation.com airs us twice a week, Sundays at 12 p.m. Eastern and Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, right now they got a box of, box of Rocks 3. Man, go on there and win a shitload of CDs for free. Man, who doesn't need free fucking metal CDs? Everybody needs that shit. You got to get in it to win it, though, bitch. So get your ass on thatmetalstation.com, and you ought to be listening to it anyway. Also, listen to it when our own family member, Mike Tyler's on. He's got a show on Thursdays. He's got, I mean, I'm sorry, he's got a show on Tuesdays. That's all thrash. And he's got a show on Fridays on the overnight. That that plays a little bit of everything. So show support to thatmetalstation.com. Show some support to Mike Tyler. Also, our new home, Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, TheIndieAuthority.com, man. We're, we're, we're gaining some steam over there, and I'm happy to announce. Uh, you know, check it out. It's just another way to enjoy the show. You're sitting around on, on a Saturday night. Go to the live stream and check out the show. 
Also, go on iTunes, man. And even if you don't use iTunes all that much, go on it and subscribe anyway. Because that shit helps everything. Uh, we're really trying to, to build steam here. And just by hitting subscribe means a lot more than you know. While you're on there, leave a review. We got the contest going right now. The best, most creative review. You get a signed, personalized copy of Ralph's Combat EP. Which is amazing. But this one's going to be, you know, specific just to you. It's going to be signed for you. So if you have if you haven't left a review yet, do it because who wouldn't want to fucking win this shit? You're gonna be that's that's rock and roll history right there. Everybody loves that EP, man. I haven't gotten one bad. Oh man, it's incredible. Loving that EP, which I can't can't be any happier. And yeah, man, I'll sign you one. You want me to sign it to you? You know, I'll you. Well, that's up to you. Some people don't like when you write their name on the CD, but you know, you let me know. I'll put, I'll write it to you. You know. Well, there you go. Holy shit, the man's telling you he'll sign it however you want it. I mean, what more fucking... Yeah, if you want me, to, want me to write, you know, uh, my little love muffin, I'll write <laughs> that too, to my little love muffin, Dr. Fuck. I'll, I'll put that too, man. I don't yeah, care. Yeah. I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't mind looking like a homo for a winner. Yeah, well, you know if, if Justin Childers wins, he wants little love muffin. Well, that, yeah, he can lose and he'll still request that. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, please get on iTunes, leave that five-star review, give us a nice write-up, and you can win that. Also, be be sure to check us out on podbean.com. And if you go on podbean.com, the same thing, follow us, because all that shit helps us grow. Uh, There's a new Podbean app. Uh, If you've got an uh, Apple device or an Android device now, there is a Podbean app. You just go on there, hit follow, you get every episode. We have so many new listeners. Man, check out the past episodes. So many new people are joining going, wow, man, I'm getting caught up on all these episodes. Personally, I think they're all awesome. So go and check those out. Check out the YouTube page. Oh, my God. The best. That's like a super version of every episode, man, with pictures and everything and video. Man, that that is the best way to enjoy your favorite episodes also use that amazon link whatever you want to buy on amazon doesn't have to be music if you click on the link it's going to take you to music right away but you can type in whatever you want and you can buy whatever it doesn't tell me what you personally buy i just see the items i mean somebody bought a dildo on there and i'm pretty sure it's justin childers (laughs) but it doesn't give me his name so you can buy an anonymity and like I said, it doesn't cost you a penny more, but it gives us a little kickback that helps offset the show because I, I this show will never cost you a dime. We give you all this entertainment for free, but I do pay to put up this show and I don't mind it, but man, every little bit really helps and I really appreciate it. But man, this was an incredible episode. We were so lucky to have a special guest, but you think this shit was awesome? Wait till next week, holy shit. We're getting presidential here, kind of. Former first lady of our nation, Nancy Reagan. Yeah, sure, whatever. Nancy Reagan will be here next week. Miss, uh, you know, Just Say No. Yeah. Will we'll be on our show to uh-huh. discuss. Sure. She's going to be here to discuss Billy Squire's Don't Say No. This ain't going to happen. 
No, I, I'm in negotiations. Every week you're saying this shit. And every I'm working week, on it. I'm working every, with no faith. Hey, man, every week I'm disappointed. Like, man, I was like, man, what the fuck, man? Where is, like, George Takai, man? That was very hey, disappointing. Hey, it's not you my fault. You know how many Nancy Reagan fans are going to be biting their nails all week, waiting, only to be disappointed? Watch, mark my word. Want to bet? Want to bet you won't be up? Hey, <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm uh, saying... I'm saying Nancy Reagan fans and Billy Squire fans tune in next week because this shit might happen. I'm next just, week. I say I'm, no. Well, don't say no because that's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Thanks for listening to Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. All rights reserved, Ian Wadley. Any use of this show without express written permission, I will give Terrence Reardon your phone number, bitch. <laughs> I love that.